welcome to episode 007. I know we've been really heavy-handed with our intros now. Uh, let me know if you like it. Reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. Anyways, you're listening to Entrepreneurs Podcast. Entrepreneurs, entre, like Spanish for between, pre, like our prepubescent sense of humor, and nerds, like the guys around the microphones. I'm Kareem, the realtor. I'm Daniel, the retailer. And, and wait, we have another guest. And I'm Adam, the producer. All right, so we got the whole gang together. Kareem and Adam were trying to teach me about all kinds of new things, one of them being originals. So here's that episode. So Kareem, what are you trying to tell me about originals? So uh, we were just looking at Adam Grant, who did a great TED Talk. It's 15 minutes, if that, on YouTube. So uh, I would strongly suggest that you check it out. But we're talking about true originals. I know only good Adams, by the way. Like Adam Grant, Adam Kaiser, Adam, my cousin. Adam West, I mean, Batman. Oh, yeah. That's a good Adam. What about Adam, like the first guy? Ever. Right. <laughs> was named Adam, Adam the first. <laughs> <laughs> All Adams are good. Adam Grant's pretty good too. What's his uh, TED talk about? So it's about originals, original ideas and where they come from. So uh, he actually, Adam actually wrote a book called Originals, How Nonconformists Move the World. And uh, there's a couple of really good ideas in there for whether you're an, an entrepreneur and this is why you're listening or you know, not not everyone wants to start a new business. Maybe what you're doing right now that this is your passion, but you kind of want to know how to improve and um, where your creativity comes from or how you dev- derive original thought or anything else. The only reason we have music at the beginning of our last two episodes is because we took some time off and we procrastinated. Procrastinated a little bit, so we can get a little <laughs> more originality. Like, what if we steal people's 30 seconds of music and put it on the front of our stuff? Genius! <laughs> it only took us two months to come up with it. Uh, well, you know, imagine if we took a year off. <laughs> <laughs> I think you. our fans would really be excited. We have music at the beginning and the end. So we'll see you next oh, December 2017 will be episode number eight. <laughs> but that's... That's a great segue. Um, so he did talk about how procrastinating is a great way to come up with original ideas. But of course, there's a happy medium. There's always, uh, you always have to make sure that you don't overdo it. And the way to look at it is you f- first you figure out what it is you want to do. And then just step step away for a minute. Do something else. Force yourself to not think about it. Because then when you get back you might be surprised with um, what you'll have. The other thing he talked about was that you had to have a lot of irons in the fire. Like just, you can't be afraid of failure. You have to be willing to doubt the idea, but don't doubt yourself. Exactly, you have to have a lot of spinning plates. Just keep trying. Um, I saw a great graph where um, on the X axis was the amount of work and the Y axis you had the uh, greatness now, of course, you know, you could say, how can you measure greatness? But let's not get into that. That's not the point. And for you non-math majors, so it went from a low line and then it went to a higher line on the other side of the paper and there were dots all over it. And people that produced less 
stuff were often low, meaning they weren't as successful. If you're offended by how and Daniel <laughs> is mansplaining right now, just remember it's Daniel. And people who produced lots of stuff were really successful. So this is generally true unless you happen to be Wagner. He produced less and was also great. And speaking of uh, amazing musical composers, it's important to know that um, the Columbus Symphony now has their own mascot. It's a bee. It's <laughs> Beethoven. I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> That's a thing right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of Irons in the Fire, that got Adam talking. Adam, who were you trying to introduce me to? Well, there's a great uh, YouTuber out there and filmmaker called Casey Neistat, um, who has gotten quite a bit of notoriety over the years. Um, and he's definitely someone who is a great example of having irons in a lot of different fires. Yeah. So I, I saw you made me watch, uh, forced me with my hands tied behind my back. And, <laughs> and you put a MacBook in front of me and I was forced to watch his uh, greatest year of his life, which was 2015. So in this 2015 video, I noticed that he had basically created a blog every single day and he was showing the best of it and it went everywhere from basically uh deciding he was going to start vlogging to breaking a bunch of phones and cameras and laptops and then uh also being on the red carpet as at some sort of crazy award show and um also talking a lot about electric skateboards wave boards uh electric unicycles and trying out other kinds of weird gadgets Basically anything with uh, with wheels that is dangerous he's interested in. Correct. And sometimes with wings, because apparently one of his really famous videos was uh, in the United in the Emirates Air um, first class cabin at $20,000 a pop. So pretty cool stuff. But tell me sort of what classifies him as an original or having multiple things in the fire. Like, what is he doing? Well, he's, uh, he's definitely um, a storyteller at heart, I would say. Um, and he seems to find ways to express that um, in, in a lot of different mediums, um, you know, through in-person talks, uh, obviously uh, filmmaking. And, and he's kind of converted this now into um, a daily vlog, of course, where he's uh, kind of forcing himself to be creative and put out some kind of an output every day, which is really, I think, a remarkable thing, um, being able to try to have to keep reinventing himself to be able to keep coming up with new creative ideas. And I think that really... Uh, in addition to just creating a good content for his viewers, it makes it so that he ends up living a life that doesn't get stagnant because um, he's constantly trying to push himself to be creative like that. If you watch a couple of his videos, you know, quickly see uh, that he tends to go. He tends to like <laughs> grab life by the balls. I mean, <laughs> he was snowboarding through... Uh, through the middle of Manhattan, uh, having a Jeep pull him, and other people jumped on. Here, By the way, here's something to talk about. What in our minds as humans says, I get it, like I have no idea who's driving that Jeep, but yes, I would also like to grab hold of it while he drives down the street in the snow and take my go at snowboarding, because other people were jumping on with him. <laughs> I think it really comes down to attention seeking. I feel like, where we are right now with social media, I feel like people might be tempted to do things they would normally do if it ended up getting them more retweets or more likes. Yeah, I try to minimize as many listeners as we can to the podcast. Like, I don't like attention. Just like minimize. That's why it. we only have two. I'm very contrary. Listeners. Contrary. Yes. Hey, Dad. 
<laughs> Listen, you just mentioned something that I uh, wa- uh, listened to a podcast, surprise, surprise, um, earlier today. And w- uh, I think it was from in- Invisibilia. And it was talking about this guy who decided he was going to see about the culture of attention seeking and see if he could in- uh, sort of create it from nothing. I think his name is Brett Collins. And he put on uh, Craigslist, hey, any big dudes out there want to pretend to be my bodyguards? And is there anybody with a camera that will show up and act like paparazzi? And we'll see if we can get an entourage going and see if people like care. So he went into New York City. He said it was like a meetup, right? Told everybody to like meet at a certain place. He and his bodyguards walked basically into the revolving door of NBC Studios and then walked out as if they had just come from a taping of something. This is like the perfect example of faking it until you make it. Exactly. And that was the point is that, you know, people talk about if you smile, act like you're smiling more, you'll be more happy or you power pose, those kind of things. But anyway, so he... Walks outside. There's all these photographers there that have all answered his call on social media, shown up. All of a sudden, he can't walk down the street. Like, literally, his actual fake bodyguards are becoming real bodyguards and trying to keep people away from him. And there's his friend is interviewing people like, what do you think that you just met Brett Collins? I love him. He's my favorite. What, what, do you, what do you know him from? Oh, that movie that's coming out. It's so good. And so what was crazy is that I guess three or four hours later, he went into... like a Dwayne Reed to get a water and the security guard from the Dwayne Reed room. So I'm like, listen, are you going to cause trouble? Like what's going on? And he goes, what are you talking about? I'm like buying a water. He goes, well, what the heck is that? And he turns around, there's 50 girls in the, in the Dwayne Reed, like standing there waiting for him to check out with his water. And like, he goes, at some point I realized this was a funny experiment, but I should quit this, but I really like it. So there's that attention part of it. But anyway, long deluge, like sort of uh, diversion for what we're talking about in in Casey. So he's got a lot of irons in the fire. He also procrastinates. He mentions in that video how he often will write his speeches five minutes before he goes on, speaks to 600 people. Which we just re-watched a great example of. Um, I think everyone recognizes this speech for um, I Have a Dream. Martin Luther King Jr. himself, that, that, those four words were not part of the speech. He had prepared the speech and gotten ready, and a couple minutes before, he took some of it out and went out and just kind of, you know, he had his moment of greatness. And even the night before, they, they mentioned in this, in this video that um, even the stuff that this he is had Adam prepared, Grant's video, right? yeah, in Adam Grant's video, uh, they even uh, he even mentioned that the stuff that he had actually had prepared for the speech, you know, he didn't prepare until the very last minute, you know, like three o'clock the night before, you know, and so it's a good example of you know some of the best work can really come from a moment of spontaneity, and that can be uh, created uh, through procrastination. Now going back to Casey Neistat, so it's N E I S T A T. So Adam, tell me about the Neistat brothers. Okay, so wait, there's two of them. Uh, actually, yeah. Oh, um, well. he has a he has a brother. Um, actually, I think he has two brothers. Um, he does. Uh, however, uh, the Neistat brothers is a uh, video series that he made um, just with a, a kind of terrible little video camera that he had uh, um, when he was. Uh, when he first moved to New York, and he made this, uh, it was kind of almost a daily vlog. It was really just about his life and about um, kind of the adventures that you could have with his brother, Dean. And 
uh, he ended up, you know, editing this obviously fairly well. And really what it was just him telling stories about his daily life and about the stuff that he would do with his brother. And they ended up selling this to HBO for a couple million dollars. And that was really, uh, I think, the start of his uh, notoriety and his um, the the kind of the, the style of, of filmmaking that he really is popular for, which is that kind of that daily vlog, that kind of just experiential video. You know, it's just about what he does on a daily basis. I, I literally feel like I've been living under a rock now because this guy went from having last year a million subscribers to now having 5.9 million subscribers. And apparently now is when he decides he's going to stop doing a daily vlog. Oh, this isn't working. I only have 6 million <laughs> viewers. I mean, in his defense, he's been doing it for you know a good almost two years, I think. I mean, somewhere in the 500 to 600 videos of just the daily vlogs. Did he say why he decided to end it? even the Carol Burnett show had to end at some point. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> even think... Friends had a finale. <laughs> <laughs> All good things must come to an end at some point. Uh-huh. But I, I think a lot of it is the daily vlog originally started, and he actually mentions this a couple times, uh, as a way to keep himself fresh, as a way to kind of force yourself force to create more to, content. Yeah, to be creative. Yeah. And I think he got to the point where it started to become almost more of a chore than um, something that he really was embracing. And he, I think, obviously, once he gets to the point where it's not providing the same... He's not, he's not getting as much out of it. Because I yeah, think he, like, he figured out how to take shortcuts and He's how putting to, more in than he's getting out of it. Right, and he's not really getting the same fulfillment from from creating that every day. Um, I think it's almost become more of a, just a job to him, and so I think he kind of wants to step away from that. And I also think it, and I, and I imagine so that it would cause um, some stress in his you know personal relationships. You know, having to constantly be filming and, and thinking about that every day, and then the amount of workload associated. Well, with I hope that. he vlogged about that, and, and he actually does cover some of these topics at certain points um, in certain episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He still definitely is going to be creating uh, videos. He, he definitely wanted to make that point clear that he's still, you know, a filmmaker, still a YouTuber. He's still going to be releasing videos. It's just not going to be every single day um, just to kind of, I think, have himself a little bit of time to breathe and move on to the next kind of creative project of his. Okay, so he, th- this guy, he made a show with his brother mm-hmm. and they so- sold it to HBO years ago, got a couple million dollars. And of course, that would give you the boost you need to pursue your passion with better gear. Absolutely. Uh, so did he study film? Actually, he, to my knowledge, he doesn't have any kind of film degree or any kind of like formal education. So he, he dropped out of high school, right? That's right. Yeah, he uh, dropped out of high school and actually uh, had a kid when he was 17 years old. And it kind of... And that kid was, is now 17. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. Um, uh, actually, his kid's, I think, now 18 or 19. He's actually going to college currently. He's, uh, I think, going out in San Francisco. Owen, um, his older kid. <coughs> Hashtag stalker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I watched Casey's videos. But um, as far as uh, his background, I mean, he really comes from very much a do-it-yourself kind of environment. He doesn't have any formal training. He mentions that quite a few times. And he, in fact, he, he tends to express his opinion that the, the camera equipment, the quality of the, the stuff you're creating is really his least favorite part. You know, that the, the edits, the video editing, I think is more of a creative thing for him. I think he enjoys that. But, you know, figuring out what frame rate to work at and all the technical details of actually creating a video, I think is part that he really gets frustrated with sometimes. You know, um, when I hear you start talking about it, then I start to think about what Adam Grant was saying in his video about that you don't have to be the first to do something. Mm-hmm. You just have to figure out a way to make it your own or make it work. So uh, the first, you know, uh, vlogger whoever that was, 
uh, is no longer have five million subscribers. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, There's not a lot of people thinking about Chocolate Rain right now. To do it better. Um, <laughs> but there so would you say the guy who made Chocolate Rain is the Wagner of YouTube? Uh, yeah, he just had to do one video and like, Chocolate Rain. And <laughs> when he would go to the site, that was amazing. Um, like literally, if you're listening, Chocolate Rain guy, I, you can absolutely come on the show and restart your career right here on Entrepreneurs. Um, but anyway, but you think about, there's obviously lots of vloggers, but Casey came in afterwards and said, I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it every day. There's other people that have done it every day. Absolutely. I'm gonna find a way to make my content a unique perspective. Is it Tay or Ty, Tay Zonde, the chocolate rain guy? I don't know. <laughs> did, you, did you find it? Yeah. How many views? Oh my God, 111 million views. Can you play it? Can we hear some of it? Do you want to? Yes. <laughs> Let's hear some chocolate rain. <laughs> I love this looping keyboard. Chocolate rain. You would never expect him some to sound like this. And others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. A baby born will die before this in chocolate rain. The school books say it can't be here again. Chocolate rain. Wait, so how many views does this guy have? 111 million. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> now, this was, uh, does it say when? It's it was 2007. uploaded in 2007. So 2007 for millennials was when you were just learning how to pee. And <laughs> every time, I'm just kidding. I'm Generation X hate. Millennials, it's just a thing. Um, I'm just kidding. Here's the thing. 2007 was a long time ago for the internet. Like, iPhones had just well, become I a think, thing. I think, <laughs> iPods I think were like invented in, what, 2001 there was an iPod? No, 2004? I think so. First iPod is crazy. Well, and but you, I love YouTube how he talks out was, the side of his mouth YouTube and he goes away to breathe. launched in 2005. Yes. So he was right there. He was mm -hmm. just a couple of years. He was probably one of the first people to become viral. His yeah. timing was perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the, the point is, is that there has been a chocolate rain. There has been people <laughs> that have been famous on YouTube before, but he found a way to not make it stale. I think really what, um, and Casey has uh, definitely said this multiple times um, in, in many different videos of his, he, he brings up the point that the single most important element when you're creating a video or um, really any kind of creative uh, piece is the story. And, and everything else is just slave to that story. And, and so I think if you look at try to, okay, what did he do different than other people? I think what that really is, is that he takes the, the concept of living a daily life and then tries to find the story in that day and then express that through his video. So would you say the story of starting a business would be the purpose? Very likely, yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a, a purpose-building company in town named Story Forge. So they obviously think so. And uh, it goes back to that whole idea that we've talked about before of conscious capitalism or anything you build, you want to understand the purpose of it. You want to find your unique perspective in it. You know, I think that a lot of what Adam said in terms of originals and terms of taking an idea that's already there and making it better is a really important uh, is a really important part of it. When he talks about procrastination, he specifically speaks about some of the students that he had. He starts the thing out talking about these three students that came to him and said, "You know, Professor Grant, this is what we want to do. You want to invest in our idea?" And he goes, "Yeah, but uh, 
doesn't that already exist? And they're like, yeah, yeah, but we're going to do it different. We're gonna, it's all going to be internet-based, and we're going to sell things on the internet. And he goes, okay, well, that might be a good idea. Let me know when you get something going. So six months pass by, and they don't really have anything going, and they, they're kind of doubting their idea a little bit. And then it's like the day before they're supposed to launch their company, and they don't even have a website, which is their whole the business. entire <laughs> company. It's a website to sell things. <laughs> And anyway, so he decided not to invest. They turned lights on on the on the company. Now, and before uh, before you announce who it is, uh-huh. I just want to I want our listeners to know that this whole time they all had jobs. Right. They were doing internships. Yep. They and had they backup had backups. They have they had contingencies. They weren't just taking a leap of faith. They had their a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of spinning plates. They had a lot of things going on just in case this one idea didn't work out. And to, to an investor, I think there's a good chance that that would almost be a red flag, you know, that they haven't committed fully to this idea or that they're, you know, at least maybe subconsciously expecting it to fail. But um, obviously in this example, that wasn't the case. Well, and in fact, if you ever watch any episode of Shark Tank, <laughs> I was just Mark that. <laughs> Cuban, his favorite thing to say is like, wait, you had this other job. Okay, but you're like a mom, right? Okay, but what happens if this, like, who's going to be the full-time person? I want a full-time entrepreneur. I'm out. I'm out. Anybody else want to invest? You're right. That happens that, frequently. Every single time. <laughs> Meanwhile, if he said that to these guys, he would be upset because he turned into a billion-dollar business and became Warby Parker. We're talking about an industry that existed and everything else. We've, got, we've obviously talked about Warby Parker in our podcast before, but I think this, Adam Grant said, you know, I was kicking myself and now my wife deals with my investments, not me. Because ultimately he realized it wasn't, what he was seeing was a lot of specific things that may have caused you to think these people don't have it in them. But he wasn't seeing the bigger picture of how do you actually develop an original idea or become creative in a way that's productive. And that's what a lot of his his, uh, talk is about. He mentions in that video that the time that they spent, you know, procrastinating, you know, why they hadn't had the website until like the day before launch, um, or even at the day before launch, that they spent a lot of that time um, doing the research, uh, spending that time uh, being creative, coming up with new ways to make the the, the process of buying glasses online um, more user friendly or easier for for to, their customer to make and, the customer more comfortable. Right, and I think that time spent was obviously worth it in their example. So you know, just because you procrastinate you might end up with a better result because of that. Well, plus, it, if for some reason you don't know about Warby Parker, they have the buy one, give one model, which is, uh, we've seen that in Tom's uh, shoes, we've seen that in Swell water bottles uh, to to a degree, but it's for every pair that you buy, they donate a pair of eyeglasses for the nonprofit uh, organization Vision Spring. Now, Envision Spring in turn sells the glasses to consumers or companies in developing countries as a way to encourage uh, entrepreneurship. Now, it's important to note that this company went from uh, from 2010 with having one location and uh, to right now, six years later, they have been featured in Vogue. Um, they have 35 locations across the country. And I would say... I feel comfortable saying one out of every 10 people you meet will know or have heard of Warby Parker. Depending on what neighborhood you're walking in. And, <laughs> and uh, they, they only have 100 employees. So there's something, there's something there. I think 
it's really important to, to think about how um, common it is that people have ideas that don't necessarily they don't necessarily believe in. Uh, a lot of people have failed ideas that we don't get to hear about. We only hear about the successful ones because that's what matters at the end of the day. But I feel like we need to recognize those and maybe even celebrate uh, failed ideas and projects because if you're sitting at home and you're listening to this and thinking, well, yeah, but I, I don't know if I can, uh, I can have what Tesla has or um, what Warby Parker has, just realize they they have, and I can guarantee you, they have all had huge failures. It just didn't keep them from trying again. Right, not everybody can be Wagner. So, I, th- <laughs> I think that the, the, the biggest thing to sort of take away from this episode is to not... Uh, not be upset at yourself if you are a procrastinator. Don't be upset if the first thing you do or the 15th thing you do fails. This is something that everyone goes through in the entrepreneurial process. And ultimately, it helps you learn along the way. And experience is, you know, to the soul, what education is to the mind. So ultimately, you have to go through it um, to become a better entrepreneur, to become a better person, to become a better um, manager or parent, you know, everyone who, when they have a child, they think they're the most unprepared people. There's no way they can do it. Well, you know, you live every day, one foot in front of the other with this baby and eventually you figure out how to change a diaper. And by the time they get to the second one, they're, uh, they're pros. Well, I mean, right, how did you... that second one changes the entire personality? <laughs> and how did, how did you learn to walk? Well, this is great. It's an awesome story. So my father was a really unforgiving brute, and he used to get so mad because I didn't walk when I was three months old. And he was like, I walked uphill when I was three months old. So he actually uh, tied a, like a leash around me on my, on my wrist, and then he drove his car down the street at like five miles an hour serious? while I was like six months old until I would start <laughs> That's not a true story. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I don't remember how I learned to walk. Oh, shit. I, I'm kind of hoping it was a true story. That'd be the most amazing way to learn to walk. <laughs> improv, guys. Improv. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you want to learn to swim? He just pushes you into the pool. Yes. Kind of yes. the same thing. The, the best way to learn to swim is to push you in a pool filled with alligators. <laughs> Much better way. Because if you're in the pool and you're drowning, you're like, oh, that's okay. But being eaten by an alligator is not so fun. A little more motivation there. Right, exactly. So anyway, go check out Casey. Go check out Adam Grant. And uh, feel free to check out uh, Warby Parker. At this point, they should be paying us to do the show. (laughs) Uh, We we all wear glasses at some point, all three of us. So um, feel free to send us free things. And so it's episode 007. Who's your favorite Bond, Daniel? See, my favorite is Pierce because that was like the relaunch of it. I love Pierce Brosnan. I loved... Uh, GoldenEye, and I love the game, and I played that game so much as a kid that it just became sort of, for me, and if you would have asked me the year that Pierce Brosnan was, I would have said Sean Connery, but a- after GoldenEye, I mean, I just loved it. Well, when when was GoldenEye? The 97? Let's see, 1995, or was 90, it 97? I don't know. I'm not sure. 95. 95. Okay, so if you would have asked me, not to rub it in your face or anything, but if you would have asked me in 1995, I would have said, uh, who's James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> because I was five. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what about you? Six. Yeah. Um, I have to say Sean Connery. Um, I, he's the, the, to me, the, 
You have his hair and his beard, so. It's it's true. (laughs) Um, Can you do his accent? I cannot. Oh, that's too bad. It's a shame. Sean Connery. Connery. You have to say his name to get into it. Right. for sure. He's to me. He's the he's the uh, the epitome of Bond. He he looks like it. You know, when I think of a James Bond, he, he's the first person that comes to mind, and mm-hmm. that's possibly just because of my generation. But speaking uh, of true originals, I mean, nobody else is like Sean Connery. Right. Right. Exactly. There, there's a lot of people that are kind of like uh, Ben Affleck, or kind of like um, Vin Diesel, or kind of like a lot of people. But like you think about Sean Connery or Robin Williams. Or even Gerard Depardieu, like there's people internationally that people are like, oh, like I know who that guy is. Even Steven Seagal, who just got his Russian passport, is kind of an original. Uh, explain. <laughs> Steven Seagal got his Russian passport handed to him and stamped by Putin himself, who said, "I'm so glad to be giving this to you, Seagal." And Seagal said, "I'm a double agent," and he hacked him in the neck. <laughs> it was awesome. That didn't happen, but he didn't renounce his uh, citizenship. The way I got to Seagal from that, just so you understand the way my train of thought works, I said Sean Connery. I thought European actors. I thought Gerard Depardieu from Russia with love. And then correct, and Gerard Depardieu renounced his French citizenship when they were going to tax him eighty percent. So he moved to Russia, which reminded me of a story this of Steven Seagal. And then I thought, what if Steven Seagal was a double agent and actually killed Putin? Anyway, Putin, if you're listening, feel free to come on our show. <laughs> we, in fact, hack yourself in right now. Say whatever you want and hack out. <laughs> hack out. It's a term we coined just now to hack out of something. And on that note, you've been listening to Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Kareem, the realtor. I'm Daniel, the retailer. And I'm Adam, the producer. And thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. And watch out for exclusive content. It might involve Lord of the Rings.